Thank you for listening to the Hope Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and encourages you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and resources, visit hopeboon.com. Hallelujah. We're going to do things a little differently. I'm going to, I'm going to preach for, for a little bit. Uh, would you, Brandon or somebody, would you grab that pulpit over there? We're going to, I'm going to call an audible today. Amen. If this is your first time with us here at Hope Church, I want to say thank you for being with us today. What a great day to be alive. Thank you, sir. Nice cowboy boots. Brandon's got nice boots on today. <laughs> Oh, so does his wife. Yeah, you're right. Good job, Brian. Good eye. Amen. I just hang here because I don't know what's going to happen. All right. Very good. If you're with us for the first time here at Hope Church, we're just so grateful to see you and to have you be a part of our, uh, our church with us this morning. Uh, we just love Jesus so much, and we're so thankful. I started talking to you last week on the subject of abiding in Christ. And uh, it was my intention to continue in that today. But I feel a little bit drawn to a different passage. So I want to I speak for a little bit. We'll do our offering and our announcements and all that stuff at the end. But one of the things I've learned uh, in the ministry is that when the Holy Spirit's moving, don't stop him. Amen. I got a couple of you on that one. Amen. When the Holy Spirit's moving, when he's speaking, when God's doing stuff, don't get in the way. Amen. That's what we've learned, and uh, we're continuing to learn how to do that. I want to invite you to look at some scripture with me this morning. We're going to see where God wants to go with this. Hebrews chapter 12. Amen. I really have it in my heart today to stir you up in two areas. The first one being in, in your faith, and the second one being in joy. The first in faith, and the second one in joy. Amen. Um, How many of you know that joy is actually an indicator of faith? I don't know if you realize that or not. When you are operating by faith, you have joy manifesting in your life. Joy is not just happiness. It's not just something that happens because, you know, you had something good happen in your life and now, now you're happy because of it. So that must be joy. No, joy is the deep satisfaction, the deep sense of satisfaction in knowing that, the, that God is good and that his promises endure and that his promise is sure. So I want us to look today and, and uh, get encouraged in these two areas. Get encouraged in faith and get encouraged in joy. Is that okay with you this morning? All right. You good if we go, you know, just do things a little out of order this morning. I kind of like it. Amen. Praise God. Hebrews chapter 12. Oh man. Hebrews chapter 12. We'll begin reading in verse one. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, 
and has sat down at the throne of God. Amen. Boy, that's an encouraging passage, is it not? I'm going to try to preach with this headset mic here. Let's see if y'all can hear me. Can you still hear me? Oh, yeah. Excellent. Praise the Lord. It begins here by saying that we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. What does that mean? What is the writer of Hebrews talking about when he says that? We'll give a little bit of context and then we'll drill down into this passage, okay? He's talking about all the people that he was talking about in chapter 11. If you were to go back to chapter 11, uh, we often refer to chapter 11 as the hall of faith instead of the hall of fame. And it's, it's, uh, it's a, a, a telling, a retelling, if you will, of all the people in the Old Testament who walked with God and had great, incredible faith. People like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, people like Joshua and Enoch, people like Gideon, uh, you know, people like Ruth and, and Rahab. And there's so many people that are mentioned in Hebrews 11. And all of those people lived a life of faith in God. And then the writer of Hebrews, when he gets to this portion that we see in, in chapter 12, he starts by saying, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, who is that cloud of witnesses? All those people from chapter 11. Did you realize that, that heaven and all the people in heaven that have gone before us are watching to see how we will live a life of faith? Did you know you have an audience this morning? And it's not the people, or not just the, not just the people around you. It's those who have gone before us. You know, Father Abraham is leaning over the railing, so to speak, in heaven, looking down to say, boy, I'll tell you what, I wonder what those Hope Church people are going to do with the gospel. I wonder what, the, I wonder what this family is going to do with, with, with the blood that Jesus shed for them. They're watching us. And so that's the, that's the backdrop of what the writer of Hebrews is ready to tell us. He says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's do some things. Let's do a few things. What should we do, Mr. Hebrews writer? We don't know who wrote Hebrews. That's why I keep being nebulous about it. We're not sure who wrote Hebrews. Maybe it was Paul. Maybe it was somebody else. Maybe it was my wife. I don't know. (laughs) Since we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, what are we going to do? Let's lay aside a few things. Let's lay aside the weight. Oh, man. Let's lay aside the weight. I'm not talking about a diet plan. Although that's good. I had this image actually this morning when we were downstairs in our pre-service prayer. I was praying with the prayer team. And I had this image of a, of a truck pulling a trailer. And the trailer was too big for that little truck to pull. Have you ever been a person or observed a person who is trying to haul something that they were not created to haul? Yeah. You know, you're not designed to carry the weight of worry. You're not designed to carry the weight of the stress of this life, the things that the world wants to pile up on you. Your shoulders weren't created for those things. 
So the first thing that the writer asks us to lay aside is every weight. How many of them? Every. I got this image in my mind of our church service today, and it was, it was, it was this image of a truck pulling this weight, and I just, saw, I just saw that it's like the truck pulled over on the side of the road and decided enough's enough and got out and unhooked from that trailer and then kept going. I believe that there's some worry, some pain, some fear, some anxiety, some depression, some some past issues, some past situations, past relationships. No matter what it has been or what it has looked like that's brought you to this moment, today is a day when you can unhook, say enough is enough, leave that thing where it is, and continue forward. Amen. God wants to move. Listen, God wants you to be free. The Bible says that, we're, that, 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 that whom the Son has made free is free indeed. It says that where the Spirit of the Lord is, God's Spirit, wherever His Spirit is, there's freedom and liberty. You're not meant to be weighed down this morning. Glory to God, that's good news. You're allowed to say amen, by the way. Just letting you know. Hallelujah. That's good news. So He says, therefore... Since we're surrounded by all these people that are watching us, this great cloud of witnesses, let's lay aside a few things. Let's start with the weight. Unhook from the baggage of life. That situation that happened in your past, leave it in your past. You can't fix it. You can't change it. It's over. It's done with. It's gone. Amen. And what else should we let? go of every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us most people don't need to be reminded that they sin anybody in here just you know just like oh please tell me again how bad I messed up (laughs) not right but boy, do we linger in our sin sometimes. We linger in it. We mess up. We fail. We fall short. We miss God's best. And then for some reason, we camp there. And the sin begins to ensnare our life. And here's the wild thing about the sins that easily ensnare us. If we stay there for long enough, they become part of the weight that we're supposed to let go of. Amen. I'm talking about you're still dragging around guilt from 15 years ago from something that happened. And I'm here to tell you that you don't have to live that way. Come on, it's in the past. Let it go. Let it go. Let us lay aside every weight and every sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us do something else since we're already laying aside stuff, since we're letting go of sin. Let's do something else. Let's run. Let's run the race that's set before us. Amen. Come on, you know God's got something in front of you. God's got a race that's laid out before you that you need to run. I can't run it for you. Your husband or your wife can't run it for you. Your kids can't run it for you. Amen. 
Only you can run the race that God has set before you to run. And I'm here to tell you, it's going to require a couple things. It'll require you to let go of some stuff, lay aside some stuff. Listen, if there's sin that's there that doesn't need to be, carve it out, get rid of it, hold it up before the Lord. The Bible's really clear. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So if there's something that's nagging in your life that's sin, it's real easy to deal with it because Jesus technically already dealt with it on the cross. So just take it before him, hold it up, say, Father, I don't want this in my life anymore. I'm submitting it to you. I'm casting it off on you. And then let the Holy Spirit come and empower you with grace so that you can live free from sin. That was it in a nutshell. Maybe I'll do a series on that and talk about that for six weeks. But that's it in a nutshell. And then what do we do once we're free? Now you can run. Now you can run, man. Did you ever, uh, anybody in here ever watch The Office? Most of us, some of us. Y'all remember the lake episode? I think you're good. Yeah, thanks. Y'all remember the lake episode? Do you remember what they did at the lake episode? They put on those giant sumo suits. You remember the giant sumo suits? And then they wrestled. Remember there's that one scene when it's like Stanley and Jim and Stanley like starts running at Jim and Jim freaks out and y'all know what I'm talking about. Have you ever put on one of those sumo suits? Do you know how hard it is to run in a sumo suit? It's super difficult if you haven't tried it. Did you, ever, did you ever see somebody at the Olympics getting ready to run and, 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 and race and, and you look down the line and they're all wearing almost no clothes? They're wearing like spandex. What if, what if they just panned down the line and all you got one guy after another wearing spandex and then they get to the end of the line and there's a guy in a sumo suit? What are you going to say? Uh, that dude's not going to win. Why? Because he can't run his race because he's being held back by too many things. There's stuff clinging to him that doesn't need to be there. And so the writer of Hebrews, if you could keep that image in your mind for a second, of trying to run a race in a sumo suit... The writer of Hebrews is, is, is compelling us to get out of the sumo suit, lay aside the stuff that's there, and begin to be free to run. Now, this is just the introduction, by the way, of where we're trying to get to. I'm trying to get to verse 2, but there's too many good nuggets here in verse 1. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with what? Endurance. Ooh. Endurance. This word endurance comes up twice in this passage. Once in this verse and once in the next verse. And, and what I want you to come away with today is the idea that, that if you'll do what's, what's being laid out in front of you to do here in, in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, you'll have the endurance that it takes to run through anything. And to go through anything. How many of you have gone through situations in your life and you're just like, man, I just wish I had a little more endurance. Let us run with endurance 
the race that is set before us. How do we do that? Starts by laying aside the stuff we just talked about. Get out of the sumo suit. And then what do we do? Verse 2, looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Hallelujah. The author and the finisher of our faith. How are you going to get to the place that God wants you to be in your life? You're going to do it by looking at Jesus. You know, we talked, we talked uh, last week about abiding in Christ. We talked about what, what, it, what it's like when your life gets to the place of abiding in God where, where he becomes the greatest influence in your life. Where his voice, his word, his presence, his spirit becomes the, the greatest influence in your life. You could call that looking unto Jesus. Right? Like looking at him every day. Like being infatuated with the Lord. But I also think that this, this phrase looking unto Jesus has another meaning as well. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our, of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. So I think that when the writer of Hebrews says that we should look unto Jesus, he is talking about abiding in him. He is talking about Jesus being the central figure in our life, seeking first the kingdom and just abiding in God. You know, I believe that's true. But I also think that what he's saying here is that we look at Jesus, meaning we look at the example that Jesus set for us. The example of endurance through the cross. I don't know if you've thought about this in a while, but Jesus, Jesus endured some serious stuff when he went to the cross on our behalf. How did he do it? How did Jesus have endurance. I'm going to get to that in just a second. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. You know that you can have faith today because Jesus created it, authored it, and finished it? You know that you can have faith today because of what Jesus did at the cross? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We'll get over to 1 John 5 in just a minute and look at the fact that the Bible says that victory, the victory that has overcome the world is our faith. And the faith that overcame the world started with Jesus. It says here that he authored and finished our faith. The word authored is the word archegos in the Greek, and it means the word that we get architect from. Anybody an architect or you know an architect? Anybody ever drawn on a piece of paper with a pencil? Yeah, okay. <laughs> what does an architect do? An architect dreams up a design. He doesn't build it, but he, he puts it on paper. He plots it out. 
says, this is what this is going to look like. And he architects. I don't think that's a proper word, but it is now. He, he draws this out and he designs what this building is going to look like. Could be a house, could be a giant building of some type. Jesus, when it came to you and me, decided that he was going to design something called faith. And that faith that he designed was going to be the key to our relationship with God. You following me so far? Jesus decided he's going to put pen to paper, if you will. He's the architect of our faith. He decided, I'm going I'm to create something. I'm going to design something called faith. And then I'm going to give it to these people to use. And then when, when they use it, that's going to be how they connect to me. And what's so amazing about this is that he didn't just design it. The scripture goes on to say he's the author and the finisher of our faith. The word finisher is the word in the Greek taleo, and it means to complete. Like, like have you ever watched one of those like uh, HGTV shows where they redo the house and then they reveal it? That's, what, that's how you could describe that Greek word teleo, finisher, is the big reveal. So Jesus, follow me now. The writer of Hebrews says, listen, there's a whole cloud of witnesses that's watching what we do. God's given us this beautiful race to run in front of us. We need to strip away and let go of everything that tries to hold us back from that. How do we do that? Let's look at the example of Jesus. He designed this thing called faith, and he brought it all the way to completion. And then he gave it to us to use. How did he do it? It said, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross. In the previous verse, he told us that we were going to need some endurance. And now he's using Jesus. He's citing Jesus as an example of endurance. How did Jesus go through the cross? There was joy that he was looking at. Joy is the thing that got Jesus through the cross. Wow. Don't worry, I'm going somewhere. This will all make sense in just a second. Y'all following with me? Is everybody okay? Okay. Jesus was able to endure the most humiliating, difficult, awful, experience that a human being could ever undergo. And he was able to come through it because of something called joy. What was his joy? It was, the, it was, it was you and it was me. It was the vision of the entire completion of the plan of God 
coming to pass. It's as though when Jesus was being beaten and scourged and whipped, he could look through all of his current circumstances and see on the other side of that. And what he saw on the other side of that filled his heart with so much joy that he was able to actually endure the worst that anybody could ever undergo. Why am I telling you all of this today? What does this have to do with anything? Some of you are going through situations in life that for the moment feel awful. And you don't feel like, you, you don't feel like this is the way that it should be. How can I be going through this situation? And I'm here to tell you that this morning what you need is some joy endurance. And what you need this morning is for your faith to be stirred up. How does your faith get stirred up? You look at Jesus. You look at the example of Jesus. You decide, like Paul said to Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. And you stand firm in what you believe. And what you believe, coupled with joy, is going to get you through every situation. Hallelujah. Too many people spend too much time asking dumb questions. <laughs> too, many, too many people ask, spend too much time asking dumb questions. And here's the number one dumb question. You want to know? Why? Thank you. You say, that sounds harsh, Pastor Josh. I'm not trying to make it sound harsh. I am trying to be funny with you a little bit. But the number one question that everybody asks when life gets difficult is why? The question is never why. The question is how will I respond with faith? How will I look to Jesus and get some joy back in my life so that I can endure this momentary affliction and get back to running my race. <laughs> Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. I just want you to take just another second to think of what that must look like. Get that picture in your head. Here's Jesus, just he's moving forward slowly. He's going to the cross. He's weighed down with all the sins of this world. He's weighed down. His body's been beaten. He's just, man, it's a, it's a bad day for Jesus. But every time he looks up, he sees past the cross and he sees this other thing beyond it. And what he sees gives him so much joy that he says, let's keep going. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Notice this, despising the shame the word despising means to think very little of something, to not care. How are, how, how are you going to get, be victorious in life? You're going to let go of the stuff that's holding you back. You're going to let go of the sin. 
You're going to get out of the sumo suit and you're going to run this race by looking at Jesus, by being fueled by the joy that comes from looking at Jesus. And you're going to get some kind of endurance. And while you're doing that, there's going to be temptation to feel ashamed. But what do you do when shame comes along? Just think very little of that. No big deal. Despise it. Let it go. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God. I... Um, I spent a bunch of time this week thinking through what the needs of people are in our church and thinking through what it was that people are dealing with. And I thought, you know, there's only one thing that gets us through tough times and challenging times. And it's, it's what we just read. It's the joy of the Lord that causes us to endure. The Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's what the book of Nehemiah says. It says the joy of the Lord is your strength. So when you get into tough situations that require your endurance, how are you going to get through those things? You're going to do it with joy. Amen. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And when you feel like you have nothing left to give, joy kicks in and you can move forward. And when you feel like you've got nothing, you know, we've come to the end of the road, as boys to men have said, and you come to the end of the road and it feels like there's nowhere else that you can go. And all of a sudden, joy comes, kicks in and strength rises up that you didn't have just a moment ago. And you carry on and you run the race. I'm speaking this morning because I sensed a need for some endurance. Amen. I sensed a need for a little bit of endurance. That we need some endurance today. How many of you could say, yeah, I just need some endurance. Well, here's the key to endurance. Get some joy working in your life. And as the joy of the Lord works in your life, strength begins to rise up in you. And you become more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. Amen. Well, pastor, how do I get joy? Where does joy come from? Took us a minute to get here, but here we are. Where does joy come from? Well, the Bible says in Psalm chapter 16, verse 11, that in the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy. So one place that joy comes from is his presence. You can get in his presence and his joy can begin to overwhelm you. Amen. Glory to God. It's the best place to be. We used to sing that song, No Place I Would Rather Be. No place I would rather be than hearing your love, hearing your love. Let me tell you where another source of joy. Another source of joy is when your faith gets developed. 
One of the places joy comes from is the presence of God. Another place that joy comes from is from the development of your faith. In fact, I heard one preacher say it this way, and I thought this was so brilliant. He's a, he's a pilot, and he flies planes. And he says when he gets in the plane to fly, they got these checklists. You know, before, thank God they got checklists before you fly in a plane. And he's going down through the checklist, and part of the checklist is you're checking these different gauges on the instrument cluster. And, and depending, on, uh, depending on what the gauge says, you can fly or maybe you don't need to fly. And he said, he said this. He said, how can you tell that you're in faith when these two gauges on the radar of your heart are full? The joy gauge and the peace gauge. <laughs> you see, one of the sources of joy comes from the presence of God himself. One source of joy comes from just literally being with Jesus. And just being in the presence of God. And then another source of joy comes as your faith begins to develop. And as you begin to walk by faith and not by sight, joy is the byproduct of faith. The scripture says in Romans chapter 10 verse 17 that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And one thing that ultimately happens every time you get some faith is you get some joy with it. Amen. Amen. Every time you get in the Word and God shows you something from the Scripture that causes faith to arise in you, guess what comes up as well? The joy gauge. Amen. And the peace gauge. They get boosted. You see, there's an incredible temptation upon us as believers, especially now, to turn loose of our faith. Look at one verse. Can we go to um, 1 Timothy? I just got a couple minutes left. Y'all doing all right this morning? Y'all love me? I love you. All right. I'm trying to help you this morning. I hope this is helpful. I want, man, I just, you know what I want more than anything today? I just want you to leave here with such a boost of faith and such a boost of joy that you're ready to go back to your life and go, you know what? Bring it on, devil, because whatever you got ain't enough to tackle me. Amen. Some of you are getting it. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Verse 11. 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 11 says this. It says, But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Watch this. Verse 12, fight, everybody say fight. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Now just leave that up there on the, on the screen. I'm going to come back to that a couple times. But look at it, it says fight the good fight of faith. There's an incredible pressure on people right now. To let go of their faith. There is an overwhelming um, pressure. I don't know what else to call it. There's an overwhelming pressure from the spirit of this world and the spirit of this age to put pressure on you so that you will turn loose of and let go of your faith. I know that if I've felt it, everybody's felt it because I'm not special. But I know that, man, if the enemy's coming after me, 
trying to get me to doubt in God, he must be doing it to you too. Anybody, anybody recently had to face just some doubt where you're just like, man, I just don't know if I can trust God. What do you do when you're in a situation that requires some endurance? What do you do? You look at Jesus and you recognize that Jesus fought the good fight of faith. And if I'm going to be like him, I can fight the good fight of faith too. I'll get some joy in my life and I'll get, I'll get in the presence of God till my joy gauge begins to just come up higher and I'll get the peace of God working in my life and I'll not turn loose in my faith. I'll fight the good fight of faith and I'll endure. And when people are falling left and right and they're dropping like flies, I will not drop like a fly because my confidence and my hope, my faith is in him. What, do you, what is that? That's called fighting the good fight of faith. Can I ask you this question? Paul's telling this to Timothy here. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Can, can I ask you this question? What kind of fight is a good fight? Has this ever just like, have you ever read this scripture and thought like, why is Paul calling this a good fight. What, what makes a fight good? When you win. Thank you. So why would Paul call a faith fight a good fight? Because he's trying to give you a little heads up that if you walk by faith, you win. Amen. He's trying. Oh, come on. I'm talking to some people that I know the devil's been beating you up this week. And maybe if it's not you, then it's somebody that I'm watching, that's watching us online right now. Whoever you are, you've been pressed down, you've been squeezed, you've been pushed on, your emotions have been dragged through the mud, you're frustrated, maybe you're dealing with problems in your body physically, and you're just going, I don't know how much more of this I can take. I'm here to give you a shot in the arm and say, lift up your chin, lift up your head, stand up straight. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You can fight the good fight of faith because it's a good fight because if you'll stay with it, you'll win. Hallelujah. How do we do it? We look to Jesus. We look at the example of Jesus. Listen, if he endured the cross, you can endure your family members. Amen. Come on, somebody. You don't act so pure. Listen, if he endured the cross, you can endure those that bozos you work with. If he endured the cross, you can endure anything that comes your way. Why? Because greater is he that lives in you than he that lives in the world. And the faith that Paul is talking about in this verse is battle-tested faith. You want me to prove it to you? No? Okay, let's just go home. Let me prove it to you. 1 John chapter 5. We'll end, we'll end with this verse. 1 John chapter 5. And I'm going to read the first five verses of chapter five. You doing okay? All right. You can come on up whenever you want. First John chapter five, verse one says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Stop right there. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ this morning? 
We, we sang about it. We confessed it the, during the end of worship there. Jesus is Lord. I believe Jesus is the Christ, man. I'm saved. How many of you are saved and you're glad that you're saved? Amen. Glory to God. All right. So, so now, right from the get-go, we know John's talking about us. I mean, you could, do you see yourself in that verse? Whoever believes Jesus is the Christ is born of God. That's me. I'm born of God. Glory to God. All right, let's keep going. And everyone who loves him is who begot also loves who is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. Boy, I love the Lord and I can tell that I love God because I, I want to keep his commandments and, and his commandments to me are not that burdensome because my love for him over is, is greater than whatever it will cost me. Uh, and whatever, whatever the, that, that sumo suit is that, that the writer of Hebrews talks about, it's easy to lay that down because I love Jesus so much. His commandments aren't burdensome. For whatever is born of God... Oh my God, you're not ready for this. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Now, didn't we just a moment ago identify the fact that if you believe that Jesus is Lord, you're born of God? Isn't that what it said in verse one? Whosoever believes that Jesus is Christ is born of God. So we still talking about us then? Okay, just making sure. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has, past tense, has overcome the world. Our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? He who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. When it comes down to me needing some endurance, what is the key to that? Being born of God and knowing that the, that the same faith that, 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 that Hebrews talked about, the same faith that Jesus designed and completed. Remember, he's the author and the finisher of our faith. You follow me? The same faith that Jesus designed and completed is the same faith that has overcome the world. And that faith has been given to me. And along with that faith, he gave me his joy and he gave me his peace so that no matter what I face, I can endure it. And I can walk through it and I can overcome it by my faith. I'm here to just be an encouragement to you this morning. That whatever you're facing in your life does not have the power to overcome you. Let me say that again. I want to encourage you that whatever you are facing in your life does not have the power to overcome you. It doesn't. It doesn't matter how, how, how disruptive it has been to your life. It doesn't matter how, how much it has injured you or hurt you. 
It doesn't matter how much the, the, the situation in life has seemed to press you down and pull you back and hold you back. Can I say it to you this way? It doesn't matter how big the sumo suit is. By faith, by fighting the good fight of faith, by faith, the same faith that's overcome the world, you can overcome anything and everything that you face. And I, I just believe it so strongly this morning. And I believe that God wanted you and I to hear this this morning. That the same faith that we have working in us right now is the faith that Jesus had when he went to the cross. When he conquered death. When he overcame death, hell, and the grave. That same power that same faith, that same joy, and that same peace is on the inside of you today. So no matter what you're facing, no matter how painful it feels, no matter how significant it seems, greater is he that lives in you. And I'm here to be your cheerleader this morning and to tell you, rah, rah, sis, boom, bah, kick the devil in the head because you win. Amen? Give me a J. <laughs> Give me an E. <laughs> Give me an S, U, S. Okay. <laughs> no, man, I'm just here to, to, to just try to give you a shot in the arm this morning. Because I believe that the presence of God is real. I believe that the Bible is, is real and it's true. I believe that Jesus is real and he's the Christ. I believe that those things that we have confessed about what we believe are real and we need to keep standing on them. We don't need to let the devil push us off what God has said in his word. Don't you know that that's what the enemy did to Eve and Adam? Right? I, I feel like a lot of us are, are, are living in these kind of in these kind of moments right now, I call them the hath God really said moments. You know what I'm talking about? How many of you remember the Garden of Eden? And there they were. Yeah, anybody was there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you remember the Garden of Eden? They're standing there in front of this tree. The devil's talking to him. He's a serpent. He's speaking to him. And, and, and every time that, that, that Eve would try to combat what, what Satan was saying, he, he said this. He said, has God really said? He, he, he tried to plant some doubt in her mind to get her to, to get off of and let go of what God has said. And I'm here to tell you, I know that there's pressure in your life right now to let go of what God has said. To turn loose of what God, maybe, maybe the Lord's made you a promise from his word and you haven't seen it yet. Maybe the Lord's given you some direction and you feel like I just haven't seen that come to fulfillment yet. Maybe, maybe life has knocked you around so much that you're just trying to figure out which direction this race you're running is supposed to go. I'm here to tell you, don't turn loose of what God has said in his word. We are a people of this book. We are a people of faith. We are a people that believes in what God has said in his word. And we're not going to be moved off of it. 
No circumstance is going to get me to stop believing that Jesus is Lord. You missed a good place to really say amen. No circumstance, no situation is going to get me or you to doubt that Jesus is exactly who he said that he is. No situation, no problem, no relationship, no divorce, no getting fired from a job, no life circumstance, no you know, problems in marriage, no problems in our homes, no governmental issues, no turmoil in our community is going to get me and you to stop believing that this is true. We are fighting the good fight of faith. And we know it's a good fight because we win. I just want to encourage you this morning. I just want you to have a shot in the arm today so that you can leave here and go, you know what? Man, I know it feels like all hell is breaking loose in my life. But you know what? I've got a God that will not fail me. I've got a God who made a promise to me. And he is the promise keeper. He's the one who is faithful. So that when you don't feel like you have any faith left, he's faithful. He's full of faith. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. I want to close our service and then we'll have some other people talk to you. Thanks again for listening to the Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to see people from all walks of life know Jesus, connect and grow, discover their purpose, and make a difference in this world. If you would like to connect with us further, or if you need prayer or assistance, please visit us at hopeboon.com, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.